Hello, beautifuls, and welcome to the Thrive for Life podcast. This is Anna Sophie. I will be your host. And today we're going to talk a little bit about caffeine and how it impacts your fat loss, as well as giving you some practical tips on how you can include caffeine in your lifestyle. So um, if this is something that interests you, of course, keep listening. And thank you so much for being here. Hello, beautifuls, and welcome to the caffeine and fat loss education lesson today. And what I really want to do is dive in and share with you how caffeine really impacts your fat loss, but not just fat loss, because I know many of you have goals beyond fat loss, uh, but how it impacts your physique overall. So without further ado, let's kind of dive in. Now, if you are someone that is experiencing low energy, maybe you get anxiety from drinking caffeine, Um, you have a difficult time sleeping, you need a pick-me-up by mid-afternoon, or maybe your energy is just really low and you find yourself craving a coffee or even relying on pre-workout when you go to train, then this may be for you. The thing is that our caffeine consumption is going to have a pretty big effect on your hormones. And I'm going to kind of dive into some of the things that it really has an impact on. So adenosine is something that calms the body, right? It's a hormone in our body. And caffeine actually inhibits the adenosine, which makes you feel alert in the short run. However, as we're going to learn in this lesson today, um, it actually has an impact on the long run. Now, next is going to be your adrenaline. We all hear about this quite a bit. Um, Adrenaline, of course, is what gives you that temporary boost. It's that fight or flight response our body has. Um, Now, this is great for that short-term hit of caffeine, which is often what we crave. However, it often makes you feel more fatigued and depressed later on. Next is going to be dopamine. So caffeine increases the dopamine in your system. Of course, we probably know what dopamine is as well. It makes you feel good. Um, The same way that like amphetamines make you feel good, right? Um, But it wears off on your body and can make you feel quite low and low in energy, low in mood. And this is kind of what creates that physical dependence because of the dopamine manipulation. So when we find ourselves addicted to soda or coffee or caffeine, it's because of the hormonal responses in our body. And I think just because it's commonly used, we can't forget that caffeine is a drug. It is a drug on our body, um, just as any other drug is. And it also is going to play a role on our cortisol levels. Um, Cortisol is the stress hormone, of course, and caffeine increases this, which can then lead to many, many, many other health consequences. There's quite a lot of evidence around what cortisol does to your body with fat loss, um, all of that. So these are just some of the hormone um, effects that go on. Now let's talk about the negative side effects of 
caffeine as well. So the first one that we see is risk for heart disease because you're going to have an elevated blood pressure. Your weight might be harder to manage because high levels of cortisol lead to stronger cravings for fats and carbs and can cause the body to store more fat in the abdominal region. If you're a woman that has a lot of stomach fat, it's often linked to your stress levels. Then we're going to see sleep, which affects your sleep, obviously, by keeping you awake longer, but it shortens the amount of time that you have recovery and overall health as well. Some more side effects is it can be catabolic, meaning it can break down muscle. If you're in a stress situation for long periods of time, cortisol causes the body to tap into protein via gluconeogenesis in the liver, causing increased blood sugar levels. So high levels of stress, low recovery, low recovery, breakdown of muscle. Um, we're also going to see risk for diabetes when your cortisol is high for long periods of time because your body's consistently producing glucose, as well as intestinal issues. Because when you take caffeine and your body goes into that fight or flight response, it's pushing the blood away from your intestines, which means it can create a lot of bloating, poor digestion, and gut health issues as well. And this is the combination of stress and caffeine, and they definitely work um, interchangeably with each other. So I know I just said a bunch of negative stuff about caffeine. Oh my gosh, this is bad. This is terrible. However, there's actually a lot of benefits as well um, in regards to fat loss and in regards to training. Caffeine is probably one of the most researched, next to creatine, of course, sports science supplements and one of the best supplements for enhancing performance. That is why we see pre-workout quite commonly used. There's a lot of evidence to say that it can temporarily decrease your pain, temporarily increase your output, your energy levels, um, your ability to be more alert, which helps you perform. So I'm not going to say it's the demon, but it's all about having it in moderation. If you're over-consuming it, you can cause these negative um, effects. Now, short-term as well, caffeine can boosts your metabolic rate, um, which can increase fat loss. And it's not that it's a magic fat loss pill. When you see these fat loss pills, the only thing that's in them that's making you lose fat is that you have a little bit more caffeine, which means that you might have more energy to move and you might temporarily suppress your appetite. But remember, after a while, you're going to become tolerant to this and the effects when it stops working. So I have a little picture here for any of you that are actually watching the video, but essentially the blue line is what we call a normal energy level. So typical energy levels, you know, they, they might start pretty average in the morning and you're just going to have minor fluctuations throughout the day. Um, this is completely normal. We wake up, part of our wake cycle is that our cortisol levels are increased. It's how our body naturally stays awake. So we wake up with our highest cortisol and it actually comes down throughout the day and we're supposed to see kind of minor normal fluctuations. Now, when we compare the same fluctuations with someone that is consuming caffeine daily, what you're going to see is they actually, their baseline is much lower for energy. And they're going to consume their caffeine and peak early in the day. However, their energy is just going to crash and get lower and lower as the day goes on. And it's really important to understand as well that this doesn't just include coffee, but this could be tea, matcha, energy drinks, diet soda, caffeine pills, pre-workout, um, 
all of these things are going to have an impact on your caffeine levels. So being aware of this is going to have a huge role on how your body is responding as well. So just a little bit of the background science around caffeine and adenosine, which I hope I'm pronouncing right. Um, the brain really looks at these compounds the same way. And with that, um, you're going to notice that the receptors in the brain often get blocked with caffeine instead of adenosine. Which means that um, we can't actually feel those adenosine receptors coming because, of course, the receptors are now blocked. Um, if we drink caffeine daily, we are preventing ourselves from effectively producing that adenosine. Um, and then the signals are not going to be properly sent to our brain. Um, so what we need to do is actually take breaks from caffeine, which will allow the adenosine to bind and work properly again. So what do these breaks look like? Well, that's what I would love to share with you here. So breaks can come in a couple different forms. Um, one that I suggest is first off, just having a best use protocol for your caffeine, which means I would have a maximum of 100 milligrams per day um, of caffeine, um, 150 milligrams per coffee. So at very, very max, um, having 400 milligrams, which would be about two, two and a half coffees at most, <laughs> right? Um, now, having one a day is probably a better practice, of course, but let's have an upper limit. Now, when it comes to your caffeine breaks, there's a few ways I go about this. Um, I like to do one to three days on and off or one to two weeks off. So what that looks like is you drink coffee for one to three days and then you take um, one to three days off and you kind of repeat that cycle. The other option would be to drink caffeine for one to two weeks and then take one to two weeks off. So depending on how you personally like to do this, of course, and what works for your lifestyle, I tend to find that most people benefit if they take a full one to three weeks off just right off of the bat. Um, that way, you know, your receptors are kind of getting used to the caffeine levels again. You're giving your body a break from that caffeine consumption. And when you reincorporate it back in, you're really going to reap some of the benefits from that. Um, now, personally, and this is just like my personal experience, of course, everyone has a different approach. I tend to kind of cycle between it. So I will um, take pre-workout in the morning and then I'll start maybe incorporating coffee in too. And that's kind of my upper limit is one pre-workout and one coffee a day. Um, now, as I notice that I start getting used to that, I will take out the pre-workout and just drink my coffee. And eventually I move to decaf. And then I usually take a week off caffeine all together. And then I kind of cycle back up. And the week I'm off caffeine, I either use a decaf coffee, um, a no-caf coffee, or a green tea, and then cycle back into the um, just the routine again, adding the pre-workout. So for me, it's always a cycle. It's never like I'm on caffeine, I'm off caffeine. I, I don't want to demonize caffeine. I just want you to be aware of the how it affects your body. And by using these tips, of course, we can allow our body to adapt to it. 
Um, so if you are a high caffeine consumer, which I know um, a lot of you probably are, I would just start by trying to cut down. It can be pretty hard to just completely cut coffee out, of course, if you are a big coffee drinker, if you love your caffeine. So what I would really recommend is just cutting down a little bit. So um, if you currently drink two cups, then maybe we drop down to one and a half. And then the next week we have one cup and then eventually half a cup. Don't go cold turkey. Just slowly kind of integrate it out of your diet. Um, again, not forever. It's just getting used to the adaptations. Now, what I also want to suggest with this is a few different things. And I'm just so bummed that these screens are not showing up to show you um, these examples. So what I'll have to do is take a picture and share it in the group after. But there's a few things I recommend doing with your coffee. Um, first is actually going to be drinking licorice tea. If you drink licorice tea in the morning, you actually extend the half-life of the caffeine and the cortisol. So basically, um, it's going to extend out that crash in the morning longer. So you're not going to have that energy crash midday. So um, drinking a licorice tea is a really great way. Next thing I'm going to re recommend is actually not drinking coffee first thing in the morning. I know it's a, it's a hard habit. And if you love just the coffee with your breakfast, maybe go for a decaf or a caffeine-free. Um, but what we tend to find is, as I said earlier in the call, your cortisol levels are going to be the highest when you very first wake up. So they're going to slowly decrease down um, by midday. So if you're drinking coffee when your cortisol is the highest, you're basically doubling your cortisol and then leading yourself to an even higher crash by midday. But if you're able to actually consume your caffeine by mid-afternoon, well, you've already had that initial cortisol peak, it's come down by mid-afternoon, and then you can kind of spike your energy again by midday and not have these huge crashes by later in the evening. So I would really try, you know, saving your first caffeine dose to about midday, having a licorice tea in the morning. These are things that will really, really help you with your cortisol levels and understanding how caffeine impacts you. Um, now, one other thing for best use practice I'm going to suggest are just some caffeine swaps that you can use. Um, again, like I said, I'll have to upload a picture for you in the group. But what I would recommend first off is a caffeine-free coffee. So caffeine-free coffee is very different than decaf coffee. A decaf coffee is usually gone through a chemical process, which decreases the total amount of caffeine, but it doesn't actually remove it completely. So it's a highly processed form of coffee, essentially. Um, I'm not going to say that's bad either, but again, it still contains some caffeine. So I would maybe cycle down through the decaf, and then move into a caffeine-free coffee. So what is caffeine-free coffee? How is that different than decaf? Well, caffeine-free coffee is not coffee at all. It's actually just a tea, usually like a, um, I'm trying to remember the name, like a dandelion tea or something like that, which has a nutty flavor to it, and they flavor it like coffee. You can get vanilla bean, you can get hazelnut, you can get whatever type of coffee you want. Um, I love these teas. Um, the only thing I will say is part of the reason we like coffee is that caffeine hit, right? And it's kind of weird drinking one and getting the taste without the hit. So, um, yeah, so pretty much that is a suggestion that I recommend is the caffeine-free coffee. I like the brand Ticino. 
I hope I'm saying that right. And other options would be just fruity teas. I love fruit teas with a little stevia drop in there. Um, just really yummy, sweet treat. Lemon water, sparkling water. And also with your supplements, if you like taking a pre-workout, there are non-stimulant pre-workouts. I like the non-stim Oxy Shred, which is great. There's also some other supplements out there as well. You can even get like a pump um, workout, which is... It's kind of another topic, but essentially it's a nitric oxide, which allows you to get this pump in your muscle without having a caffeine hit. So you still really feel that energy and stuff in your workout as well. So um, I don't want this lesson to go on super long, of course. Thank you all for tuning in today. Um, hopefully this really helps you dive in and understand a little bit more about caffeine, how it impacts your body, how it can impact your weight loss and your overall health, as well as giving you some practical takeaways that you can use um, in order to have a best use in your lifestyle. Of course, thank you all for being here. If you love these videos, if you love this education and you want more info like this, please um, just leave me some comments below. Let me know how you like it. Let me know requests and I'll continue to make um, lessons like this every single week for you. So thank you for joining in. Of course, I appreciate all of you being here and we will talk again soon. Bye-bye. But what we, if you like taking a pre-workout, there are non-stimulant pre-workouts. I like the non-stim Oxy Shred, which is great. There's also some other supplements out there as well. You can even get like a pump um, workout more about like this. Please um, just leave me some comments.